This podcast is about introducing our fans to the animals, plants, and other products that we work with at Josh's Frogs. It's an opportunity to paint a picture of our hobby that is refreshing. We want you guys to be successful with the animals that you're keeping, and we want our hobby to grow ethically and sustainably into the future. Hello, my name is Josh, and welcome to the Josh's Frogs podcast. Uh, I have Tyler here. We're going to talk about erratus, but before I do that, I just want to do a short commercial. Uh, the Josh's Frogs podcast is brought to you by Josh's Frogs. We're your one-stop shop for everything for your reptiles and amphibians. Uh, we carry everything from the animals that we breed in-house uh, to the caging, to the substrates, to the lighting, to the live plants, and especially to the live feeders as well, too. So we have everything you need all from one place. Um, and then we also um, are very committed to making sure that you're successful with what you're keeping. So we have tons of blog articles, videos, uh, how-to guides, that kind of stuff, because we want you to be successful. And then we also offer um, customer service um, that's available uh, to help you out um, with any of the questions that you might have on, on keeping these animals. Um, so we want to support you in that way. So check us out, joshesfrogs.com. So without further ado, welcome to the Josh's Frogs podcast. Uh, give us a little bit of a, a breakdown of how you came to Josh's Frogs, how long have you worked here, um, and what it is that you're doing here. Josh's Rocks. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I've i been here since June of 2023, so it's been about seven months now. Wow. Um, so, yep, it, uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. I've, you know, I knew very little about dart frogs and coming in. And uh, um, so, yeah, it, uh, in terms of um, what I do, I, uh, you know, I started out my first two months uh, with Tinctorious, uh -huh. um, and then the position to open up for the Erratus, and, and I jumped on in. So, um, so yeah, I watch, uh, watch over and take care of the 13 morphs that we have for, for the erratus. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Now pretend you're talking to our uncle or aunt who doesn't know anything about keeping dart frogs. Explain what, what's a week like, what are you doing on a weekly basis to take care of the erratus? What's, what's your schedule look like and what are the kinds of things that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, feeding is, is definitely number one. Um, you know, we feed three times a week, uh, feed our froglets, um, and then our adults, and then, uh, we'll supplement, um, uh, supplement that with, um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're good. Uh, in terms of uh, taking care of them, we'll we'll collect eggs. We'll yep. um, you know we'll pull tadpoles. Yep. Um, you know, clean tadpoles, that kind of fun stuff. Cool. But, uh, cool. Yeah. And then you'll you'll do the whole life cycle of those errata. So you'll be in charge of taking care of the adults, taking Correct. care of the eggs, taking care of the tadpoles, and taking care of the yep. froglets. Yeah, the full cycle. Oh, cool. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So you get to know that group of uh, frogs pretty intimately. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool seeing them, especially coming out of water when uh, you know they're starting to lose that tail. They're yeah. getting their lungs. They're gasping for <laughs> air. So, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Now, we see pictures of erratus online and that kind of stuff. As somebody who works alongside them, like, how would you describe erratus? Like, give us an idea of what what's it like to be next to an erratus. Like, how big are they? How what are some of their behaviors? Like, what, describe an erratus to us. And maybe even um, you worked with Tinctorius. How are they a little bit different than than Tinctorius group? Yeah, parts? yeah. So the Tinctorius are uh, slightly bigger. Um, uh, the erratus are around the size of about inch and a half for females, uh, okay. inch and a quarter for males. Um, it varies depending upon the morph too. Yeah. Um, like our Capricorn and our Ancon hills are typically a little bit smaller. Yeah. Probably closer to like like a Lucamella size. Yeah. 
But uh, and uh, they're they're a lot more like um, a tree frog than like the other dart frogs. They've got less of that hunchback like the tinctorious do. Yeah, um, they're a lot more agile. Um, you know, I I would consider them probably more semi-arboreal. They they do a lot of climbing in their enclosures. And, cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and in terms of the uh, the morphs too, they've got um, a wide variety of pattern and colors. So um, you know, they're considered the green and black, but um, you know, they, they range from blue and and white and brown. There, there's quite a bit of, of variety. So. All right, you said you. Were working with 13 different morphs can you talk about maybe a couple of them and, and what the pattern looks like on those and, and maybe how they're a little bit different than some of the other erratas yeah the the you know the ones that are well known the costa ricans they're uh the, the green and blacks um mm-hmm. nicaraguans are as well um, el cope um you get more into like the turquoise uh and uh, sometimes into almost a bluish uh, blue and blacks are uh, that deep blue, yeah. and uh, and then the pina blancas and highland naradas, uh, the highland bronze, um, they're they're definitely interesting to look at. That those are more of like the um, the pina blancas are like that brown and white yep. and uh, kind of uh, trippy almost. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Now, talk a little bit. I know sometimes in Neurotis, the babies can look a little bit different than the adults. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like, which which ones of those look a little bit different as as babies as opposed to when they're adults? Yeah. So, um, especially with like the Pina Blancas, they'll come out and they look like um, almost like a dark gray. It, oh. It's really interesting. But they've got this uh, kind of like a map patterning. It looks like a topography map. Um, but then as they grow up, they'll get more of that uh, that white and brown uh, sometimes they'll have uh, blue toes blue feet um, oh cool but uh yeah yeah they're um you know it's interesting to watch them grow and watching their patterns and colors change as, yeah. as time goes on yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you talked a little bit about patterns changing are you experiencing that a lot with erotis sometimes as, as younger they don't look the same as they do in when yeah they're yeah they're, they're quite a bit different um and uh and darker too at times like sometimes our alcope will come out a little bit darker um and then their colors will kind of um they'll kind of color up as they yeah. as they become uh, froglets and into their adulthood yep. so what about uh breeding are there differences among the different erratus and like how much they breed or how easily they breed are you noticing differences like that um you know i it's tough to say just because we do keep them communally um to where it, it's tough to get an idea as to how often they're laying um you know we'll have double clutches at times but they seem very prolific um, really yep um and uh yeah i i do know that um you know uh, from what I've read online, that uh, some of the females will sometimes eat eggs, which is yep. interesting. Yeah, um, I, I haven't personally uh, seen it yet, yep. but I'm sure it happens. Cool, so, cool. Uh, now you said uh, keeping them communally. Like, how are how are we setting up the the groups at uh, Josh's Frogs, and, and are they all set up the same way, or are there some that are different? Yeah, we'll have uh, you know the 20 gallon tanks, uh, 20 tall or 20 high, um, and we'll we'll uh, you know heavily plant them with like um one of my favorites are the begonias for mm. them to climb on just making sure they've got a lot of structure and and uh, hiding spots to to come in and out of the uh you know their setup yeah um, but uh yeah um in terms of communally um i think we typically stick to around four frogs per um that, that seems pretty comfortable for them cool. um you know making sure you're keeping an eye on um, you know, body composition, size, you know, if you've got yep. one that's quite a bit larger than the others, sometimes there, there could potentially be issues, but just keep an eye on that. And, uh, um, but they are, they, they do keep well communally. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Now, when you're setting up that way, how often are you checking for eggs and how often are the, the tanks successful in producing frogs? Um, like how often on rule, like as a rule of thumb, like how often are you expecting? Eggs? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, so we check it weekly. I would say tanks, um, one to two weeks, they're laying, I, I'd say probably 10 days is pretty common. Okay. But, uh, so, um, 
and uh, egg size or uh, clutch size, typically, um, you know, four to eight seems pretty, pretty typical. Cool. Um, it's hard to tell, too, with double clutches. Sometimes they'll lay in the Petri dishes, yeah. um, you know, twice to where yeah. you'll have, you know, maybe a dozen or, or 14 or something yeah. like that. Cool. But, now, when you're keeping them communal, um, are you putting two males or two females? Are you putting them together? Not really sure what the sexes are. Like, how are you doing sexing? And, and what, what what's your aim for, for how you do those uh, sex ratios in, inside a tank like that when you're doing Communally. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, because the erotis can be a little bit more tricky to to sex. Um, you know, it uh, it's sometimes a um, a shell game. You know, yeah. trying to trying to play around with what works with what. Sometimes you have to play around with that, but uh, typically, um, you know, uh, we try and do it similar to like the Tinctorius, where um, there's uh, multiple males to a female kind of thing. Cool. Um, but uh, but then again, like I said, you just kind of have to play around with it a little bit and. Um, I, I think sexing typically 10 to 12 months is, is normal, but mm -hmm. um, it might be easier the older they are just because the females do get that wider uh, wider waist. They, they have that pear shape. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it can be fun to try. And, it's like a, um, like I said, a shell game almost. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Now, cool. Now, this is very similar to some other dart frogs, but talk a little bit about the breeding. So you get the eggs. What are, you, what are we doing with the eggs? How are we taking care of the eggs um, at that stage? And then walk me through tadpoles and then coming out of the water. Like, what are, what are we doing in that process? And some time frames, uh, guesstimates, and yeah. how long those stages take. So um, when we're pulling eggs, um, we'll make sure that uh, we're giving them um, some tadpole tea uh, with a little bit of methylene blue. Um, just to make sure that there's no mold growth and yeah. stuff like that. And then we'll, uh, uh, the day that we pull them, we'll go through and we'll use a turkey baster and clean them out, um, get any sort of uh, dart frog poop that's in there, yeah. any sort of leftover food, um, making sure that they're staying nice and clean, and then they'll morph out. Um, as they pop out of their um, their little egg casing, um, making sure that you know their, their gills are gone by that point, yeah. um, we'll uh, transfer them into a, um, a small cup with some... Uh, tadpole tea and a little bit of a uh, Indian almond leaf and just making sure those tannins are up. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And then we'll make sure as we're watching over the two to three month process, making sure they're being cleaned, uh, feeding them with a little bit of algae, a uh, little algae pellet, um, yep. and, uh, and the leaf also that that's yep. a great food source for them. Cool. But, uh, yeah. And then they'll morph out and, um, you know, we'll, we'll put them at a 45 degree angle in a separate area where, um, they have room to climb out. And we check them, you know, every morning. And, and uh, um, as we're leaving for the day, we'll we'll double check that, making sure that, you know, if they're ready to come out of the water, we'll transfer them into their uh, their their raising bin. Yeah. So. Yeah. That brings up another point um, about boldness when it comes to erratus versus tinctorius. Do you see those as a little bit different? Do you see erratus as a little bit more um, skittish? I know they have a reputation for being that way. Good point. Yeah. So that that is the reputation. Um, you know, if you're comparing them to like the terabilis or the tinctorius, yes, they are. Are considered a little bit more shy um you know our costa ricans and our alcope are, are quite bold you know uh -huh. they're, they're up at the front of the tank ready yeah. to eat uh, but you know some of the other morphs you know they can be a little bit more shy the th main thing to make sure that you're um you're doing is just making sure that they have proper hiding spots um making sure they're feeling comfortable in their enclosure because the the more the more hiding spots you give them it seems contradictory but the more that they have um, the more comfortable they're going to feel the more they're going to be willing to come out Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if I mean, if you compare them to like um, like a tree frog, you're going to be seeing them a little bit more often in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Speaking of uh, tree frogs, um, erratus. You're talking about them being out and about, so they're awake during the day 
as opposed to a lot of tree frogs? Yeah, so they are diurnal, which is really cool about them. Um, you know, they're a great pet in terms of that because, I mean, like some of our, like the red-eyed tree frog, you know, they're nocturnal. So the yeah. times that you're going to be seeing them is typically when people are sleeping. So, yep. um, so yeah, that, that is a really cool aspect about them. Um, but yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Now, talk a little bit about, you talked about plants and hides. Like, how are we setting up uh, the dart frog tanks? Like, what, what are we using substrate-wise, and, and how are we setting that up? Yeah, so um, I kind of, when I'm talking to customers at trade shows, I, I try and let them know it's uh, it's kind of like a lasagna in the tank. Right? <laughs> I love it, I love uh, it. That, that's, you know, you're, you're, making, you're picturing those layers, right, yeah, that we yeah. have in our bags. Yeah. Um, you've got your drainage layer, your substrate barrier. Um, your substrate and then uh, really heavy leaf litter, making sure yep. that they don't have contact with that substrate. Um, but yeah, it, just making sure that substrate um, or that drainage layer is there. So as you're heavily misting, um, you're not causing any yep. sort of rot with the plants or uh, oversaturating the substrate for the frogs cool. and that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. And then you're planting live plants in there and no screen at all, like to totally glass with the erratus. That's correct. Yeah. With with humidity, trying to keep up uh, to 80 to 100 percent humidity, um, it is important to make sure they have that. That, that glass to where um, and, and making sure that as your plants are growing, that's going to help hold the humidity in. Uh -huh. um, but like I mentioned, the uh, the begonias uh, are, are a great plant for them um, in terms of uh, you know horizontal space for them to, to climb on. And yep. um, they're, like I said, they're they're definitely more arboreal than like the um, the tinctorias are. So. Cool, cool. The nice thing about um, erratus is uh, being able to keep them in groups, which you can't necessarily do with a lot of other uh, frogs. Are you witnessing them interacting with each other? Are they kind of leaving each other alone. Like what? What are you observing as you're working with those guys? Yeah, they definitely have personality. I will say that. Really? Um, but yeah. When when I first came in, you, you look at these guys like, oh yeah, they're just frogs, right? But no, they they definitely have uh, that sort of communal personality aspect to them. So they'll oh, cool. They'll climb on each other. They'll they'll uh, you know as they're feeding, sometimes they'll be like, hey, get out of here. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's, it's my turn to eat and yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're definitely um, a really cool frog to watch. Uh, be its own, like I said, a little community yeah, almost. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about feeding. Um, you talked at the very beginning. I, th I think you were saying three times a week for the adults. Um, what are you guys feeding, and then uh, what are you guys supplementing with, and then how is that different from the, the froglets as well? Yeah, so our froglets will feed melanogaster. Um, they're the smaller species of fruit fly, um, and making sure every time that we're feeding, we're dusting with a. a Calcium plus or patchy calcium plus, and then um, you know trading off with like vitamin A once a month. That that is a really important aspect to it. Cool, uh, making sure they're getting that vitamin A. And then our adults will feed our high DI. Um, you know, and, and it depends upon the size. Um, you know, it's not like uh, oh this frog's going to be getting you know four or five fruit flies per. You know, yep. it it just depends upon the size that they're at. Um, but yeah, uh, the supplements is definitely super important. I think that's one of the things that people will typically get wrong in the hobby is. Uh, doing every other or not supplementing at all. And, and, and that is such an important part of their diet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now, um, we forgot to mention at the very beginning, I like to mention this when we're talking about poison dart frogs, are they poisonous? Or am I in uh, danger if I keep poison dart frogs in my house? Like what's they are happen? poisonous, but only in the wild. Cool. In captivity, they're not poisonous whatsoever. It's all about their diet. Um, I believe they think it's uh, uh, ants is a big, big portion yep. of that. Cool. Um, but yeah, yep. So perfectly safe as a pet. Um, you have no issues. The only reason why we wear gloves is just protect protect their skin since yep. they are permeable. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, th there's no issues in terms of that. Yeah, so. and we're wearing gloves because of their skin, and that makes them not not a very handleable pet. Like you're not looking to like get your erratus out and hold it, that kind of That's stuff. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely more of a visual. Um, 
uh, it's the tank's kind of like um, like an art piece. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're you're setting it up and and you're just watching it uh, interact and and uh, and grow. Um, not so much a hey, crawl on my yeah. shoulder or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Cool. <laughs> now somebody's thinking about keeping dart frogs. Why would you say hey, Aratus? You should consider Aratus because of X, Y, and Z, or if X, Y, and Z, why, why would you tell people like, hey, Aratus are, are the ones that you should choose? That's a good question. Um, you know, they all have their own personality. I I chuckle a lot of times when I'm feeding the frogs because like our froglets, um, they do this they do this thing. I, I call it the scaredy cat pose. <laughs> I've actually got a photo, but um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it before where it's like... Oh yes, the arch back. Yes, yes, the arch I back. love that. Yeah, yep. it's it's so yep. funny when we're yep. we're checking on them, and it's a defense mechanism. It uh, I thought they were trying to act like a cat or a raccoon, yep. trying to puff up and look as big as possible. But I think it's speculated that they're just trying to show off more of that color and pattern, trying to be like, hey, you know, in case you can't see, in case you're squinting, I'm like, a big bad frog. Yeah, yeah. don't touch me. So uh, it's just. A different flavor of personality, I think, yep. compared to like the Terribilis and, uh, and Tinctorius. But cool, um, they're characters. I mean, they're funny. Yeah, you know? like Colin mentioned, they're just they're just goofs. And, yep. and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy them. They're cool. fun. Yep, I, I'm looking forward to getting my uh, my own here pretty soon. So. Cool. All right, anything else that you would tell to somebody they're thinking about keeping an Aratus or other parts of networks? Anything you'd say? Hey, keep this in mind, or remember this, or or any in, any advice that you give to people keeping boys and networks? Yeah, I, I think what's important is making sure they're not stressing out. Um, you know. Mm. It, when we first get a pet, our first instinct is to be like, hey, you know, I got to make sure they're eating. I got to watch them, that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's the scenario when they're younger, they're hiding a lot more to where just making sure that you're dusting those flies, yeah. popping them in. And then sometimes you have to just walk away and just uh, and know that they're going to be eating um, without stressing them out and, yep. and constantly lifting up their their enclosure, their little hides and stuff, checking in on yeah. them. So but that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh Tyler, you might not know this, but Aratus are some of the older frogs in our hobby. Um, I can remember one of the first um, Aratus I bought. Um, the Aratus was 24 years old when I bought it. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty That's crazy impressive. how old they can be. So. Oh, the, one of the other things I was going to mention too, um, there's some cool trivial aspects. Um, you know, they were actually introduced in Hawaii uh, mm. on, on the island of Oahu, which is really cool. Back in the 30s. Oh, wow. Which is really crazy to think about how they transported them back in the 30s compared yeah. to how we ship nowadays, you know. Unreal. Uh, I didn't know it was that long. That's crazy. Almost 100 years then. Yeah, yeah. And then they're considered, I think, one of the first dendrobatids uh, to actually be um, captively uh, bred. Um, really? I believe it was a zoo in Kansas. Oh, so wow. Back in the 70s, I believe. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. To, and that's we do, cool. And we do have the Hawaiian uh, yep. morph here, which is really neat. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. We're going to move into a lightning round. I'm going to give you the question. Give me the first thing that pops in your mind uh, to answer that question. If you don't know, we can just pass the, on the question. But um, let's go through those. So if money and space were no issue, what is your dream pet that you would uh, keep? So this is probably not realistic. But, um, <laughs> I I kind of want like an old barn out in the woods and have like a giant bat house. I don't know really? why. I, I just love bats. Um, and the white nose syndrome, I think it'd be cool to try yeah. and repopulate. But um you know, I there's I just have memories of as a kid taking a little pebble and throwing it up in the air and, and bats swooping down catching it. And then they're just really unique mammals. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. cool. Really cool. All right. Besides Josh's frogs, what's 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 one brand in our hobby that's really doing really cool stuff, providing cool products or breeding really cool animals? Who would you like to give a shout out to? Who's doing something cool? Yeah, um, I believe they're more of an aquarium. Uh, 
company, but um, Hyger, I think it's how it's pronounced. H y g g e r. Um, okay. I use their their lights actually. They because they have oh, cool. yeah they have these like twenty four seven lights where it, um, you know first thing in the morning it comes on with that that bright oh, red cool. like sun yeah. uh, getting up into the um, midday and then down into like a moonlight at night. Oh cool! I think that's super cool to because you can kind of see them get like a like um a pattern throughout yeah. the day yeah so, yeah exactly yeah. exactly um, so I, I use their lights which is great. instead of like hey it's pitch black and then yeah boom yeah. here's yeah. some light <laughs> there's a spotlight on you <laughs> all right talk a little bit about your pet care uh growing up what was your first pet um that you got um and uh talk a little bit about uh, some of the pets you had as a little kid yeah so i think we had a couple cats when i was a baby um but my first exact that what i remember was um was a ferret ferret named crash because he would crash into our closet so uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Ferrets are cool pets. That's awesome. Cool, cool. All right. In all of the world, what's your favorite animal or plant? What's the the Mm. coolest creature or plant on our planet? You know, I've always liked cheetahs. I think they're they're really unique. Um, In terms of plants, I like the bleeding hearts. My grandma used to grow those. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, a lot of unique stuff. I I can't pick one specific favorite, but those come to mind. Cool. All right. When you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A uh, veterinarian. I wanted to help animals. Really? Uh, and, and then you grow up and you find out, yeah, medicine is not for me. You know? <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> All right. What do you do with a free hour of free time? No one's bothering you. You finally got some free time. What are you doing with that hour? So hypothetically, it's spring or summer right now. And I am outside photographing critters with a macro lens. Oh, so. cool. And you say an hour, but typically it's probably two to three hours. You, know, you, yep. can't, you can't stop it now. Yeah, so. cool, cool, cool. All right. Last question, probably the hardest one. You have uh, everybody's ear. Everyone's listening to you. What's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give uh, to everybody? Yeah. So it's uh, this is a quote. I'm not sure exactly who wrote it. I remember reading it a while ago, but um, it's that finding a passion is not uh, is not discovering what you like. It's figuring out what you're willing to suffer and make sacrifices wow. for. I think wow. that's super important with our hobby. Yep. Making sure that we're we're putting our animals first, you know, yeah. I remember Brandon was talking about this, but it's, it is a privilege. It's, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's not a right to own animals. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. A yeah. privilege and a responsibility. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your encouragement. Um, and thanks a lot for uh, sharing some wisdom on Narada. So thanks for taking your time for, uh, for doing that. Yeah. Um, check out some of our lives. Um, Tyler's been on some of those uh, lives. He's been um, a part of some of the content that we've created and you'll see more and more of him um, as he, uh, as he helps us um, help you guys take care of your animals a little bit better. So thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoy this content and want to stay up to date, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us across social media. We always want to bring you the best content, so let us know if you, what you think in the comments. And for all your reptile and amphibian needs, be sure to check us out at joshesfrogs.com. We have an amazing selection. Until next time, stay curious, stay froggy, and keep exploring.